0: Hey, guys, so this past weekend, uh, my, my family, or this past week, my family and I had the opportunity to go to the beach. Come on, somebody, thank God for spring break. And uh, the kids were out in the water. They're doing what kids do. They're on the boogie boards. They're having a blast. Um, but especially if you're a parent, you know how it goes. About every 10 minutes, uh, we found ourselves standing up, right, walking out there, waving our arms and saying what? come back over here. Why, why, why? Because the current was moving them down the beach, right? You ever been there before? Like, hey, you're out swimming, minding your own business, you pick up your head, and then you're like, what joker moved all my stuff, (laughs) right? And then you realize my stuff didn't move, I moved. My stuff didn't move, I move. why? Because there's a, such a thing called a current at work. And what the current does is the current will move us, sometimes swiftly, but more often subtly. The current just kind of moves us. And here's the deal, you're out living your life, but there is a current at work. And here's the big idea for today. If you are not anchored to something in the current, you will drift. And I, I remember when I first became a pastor back in 2005 and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. So I started reading like all the books that all the hot authors were writing and I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing it and it's so good. And I'm preaching their stuff because I don't know what to say, right? I'm preaching all the stuff. Yet you, you ever been reading the books, you're underlining like every page. You're like, what is it blowing my mind? <laughs> and so I'm preaching those things. And then, I, then by God's grace, he saved my life because he took me to another book. And as I'm reading the book, they're like, hey, here's what this author says. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I just read it last week. And they're like, here's what this guy says. And you're like, yeah, I just preached that yesterday. And then they say, but this is what the Bible says. And I was like, oh no. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that I had been swept away by the best way I know how to say it, is a false spiritual counterfeit current. And by God's grace, he brought me back to center. And here's the deal, guys. Maybe today you're looking at the world changing all around you, and you're wondering what in the world is going on. Maybe you're looking at church world being shaken right now. All right, come on, pastor's falling, church is getting taken, and you're wondering what in the world is going on. Maybe some of you are looking at the friends who used to worship Jesus alongside you. Now they mock Jesus from a distance, and you're wondering what in the world is going on. I've always even wondered it about Passover, I mean, about uh, um, the, the Palm Sunday, right? When Jesus comes in, everybody's worshiping him, saying how amazing it is. Five days later, they're shouting out, crucify him. And I'm like, What in the world is going on? Here's the big idea, that there is a current at work in the world. And sometimes it moves swiftly, sometimes it moves subtly, but what it's doing is overall, it's creating what I can only call a massive drift. And family today, what I'm here today to say is that we must stay anchored to the gospel. We have to stay anchored to the gospel, Romans 1:16, Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, the gospel is the good news that our God reigns. Come on, from Genesis to Revelation, everywhere in between and forever on both sides, our God reigns above it all. That there is a breadth and a beauty to the gospel, but there's also a depth and a deliverance to the gospel that our God, the one who authored this whole story, put on skin and entered into his story. And the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ radically changes my past, my present, and my future. And so our only response to all that is to repent, is to turn, is, is to be broken over our rebellion against the living God and by God's empowering grace to change the way we think about sin and to submit our way under his way. That's, how, that's our only proper response to the gospel. And today, as we're closing out our series, we have to be very honest that there are very strong forces at work in the world that are trying to rip us away from that gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's the deal, guys. One one time, one time the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, hey, what's it gonna be like at the very end? And here was his response, Matthew 24, verse four. First words out of his mouth. He says, watch out that no one deceives you Come on, pause real quick. Jesus is not giving an altar call to a bunch of unbelievers. Jesus is actually speaking to disciples here. And what he's really saying is, guys, look out because even disciples can be deceived. Watch out, no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Hello? But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Do you you get the sense of chaos here? Right, this is the big idea. There's something about chaos that destabilizes the soul. And listen, if we aren't anchored strongly, chaos can pull us away. And when we are detethered from the truth, when we lose our anchor in the gospel, at our weakest moment, the enemy sends in a deceiver, a counterfeit message. and we are swept away. Here's what the result of all the chaos. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. but Come on, everybody say, but. But. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Will be saved if we stand firm to the end. And what Jesus is saying, listen, false prophets. Listen, very carefully. What Jesus is actually saying is people are going to come in the name of Jesus with an anti-Jesus message. And it's gonna confuse us. It's gonna be a counterfeit, right? And what happens is this, when we fall into deception, We get detethered from truth, and then we enter into sin, and sin has a spiral. It leads to ever-increasing wickedness, which leads to the love of many growing cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So here's the good news. There is a way to stand firm even until the very end. So here's what Paul tells his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. In other words, (laughs) pay attention, Timothy. I give you this charge, preach the word. Come on, somebody, we need the word of God. You need more than your 10 second Instagram clip? Come on, you need more than your scripture day keeps the devil away? You need the word of God as an anchor to the soul. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. In other words, when, you, when you're hearing God's word, when you're coming to church, and you get rebuked, be like, well, that's what's supposed to happen. All right? But, but with great patience and careful instruction, I'm trying, I'm trying. Why? For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And what Paul is saying is the time is coming, and can I even just say it it like this? I believe the time is here when even some Christians will not want to hear God's capital T truth. They will cancel on Twitter anyone who disagrees with their desires and they will listen to a counterfeit gospel. Let me do something real quick. Uh, anybody right here on the front row want 100 bucks? Anybody front row? Okay, you're the, you hesitated, you all got, all right, right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Or if you don't want it, I'm just saying, there's plenty on second row who want it, but. Is the beauty, somebody tried to run last service up here, like, no, listen, this is, no, come on up. This is, this is a front row privilege. Front row privileges right here. Come on. Hey, what's your name? Elsie? Okay, awesome, here you go, there you go. It's okay, you can take it. Okay. All right, you might, just for a second, you might wanna take a look at it. Yeah, it's not real. Oh, it's not real, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which you were already fanning yourself, you're probably even getting like really warm right now, it's okay, so just here, get, just for a second, okay. This is a counterfeit bill, okay? It looks pretty good from right there, doesn't it? Like, I just take that, but I'm fine. Here's the idea, guys, don't go anywhere. We're, we're okay, it's gonna be a We need to be a little bit more careful about grabbing things that look good and sound good without examining them a little bit more closely first, right, because here's the problem with this, okay? You know this, you saw it very quickly. It's worthless. And it's gonna get you in trouble if you try and do something with it. Why, because let's just say it like this, it has a form of worth, but it denies its power. And over and over again in the scriptures, we are warned to be careful because there are counterfeit gospels out there. There are beliefs that look good, that sound good, but when you examine them a little bit more closely, they're a false gospel. Let me say it like this, there are gospels out there they want the king. Or they want the kingdom without the king. Come on, they they want God's stuff without God. They want the gospel without repentance, and what it is, it's really a gospel that has the form of godliness, but it denies its power. See, but there is something called a real hundred dollar bill, and when you hold them up next to each other, it becomes really apparent which one is real and which one is counterfeit because this one looks different. Feels different, it smells good, it smells really good. I like how this one smells. This one just smells like paper. This one, that one smells like money, you know what I'm saying? But here's our problem, guys. If you don't know what the real one looks like, you're gonna grab anything that looks like it. And if you try and spin the last one at the end of the age, It's helpless. So maybe we need to be a little bit slower embracing things that look like the good news without looking at them a little bit closer. But since you know that there is such a thing as good news, here you go. And here's what we have to arrive at. Here's what we have to understand, okay? Is that there is a cultural current, a counterfeit current at work in the world today that wants to sweep us away from truth, that wants to sweep us away from life, that wants to sweep us away from the gospel. Social media, the news, listen, CNN and Fox, all of them, everywhere in between, okay? Disney, the billboards, everything has a message. It all has a message of what is good, of what is right, of what is noble, of what is true, of what is praiseworthy, the things you should think on. You understand that the world is preaching a gospel to you about what love is and about what is loving. You're surrounded by it all day long. Listen, Satan is at work, deceivers are at work, the spirit of the age is at work. And if we aren't anchored to God's truth, then that current will sweep us away. Listen, if you are not anchored to something that is not changing, that current will cause you to drift away because the world's messages are very loud, they're all over the place, and they're enforced by everything. They're reinforced by everything, right? And if you don't actually know what the truth is, you will be swept away. But let me say this really clearly, okay? We are not afraid of the world. We are not afraid of culture. We are not afraid of the devil. The world is challenging the gospel, but the gospel is overcoming the world. All right. So the gospel is not the China in the China shop. The gospel is the bull in the China shop. All right. So this is not like trying to protect fine China. This is like running ahead and saying, all right, the bulldozer of the gospel is coming. Right. Because the blood has not lost its power. We know who wins in the end. And we want to be those who stand firm to the end and are saved. And so in order to do that, we have to acknowledge that there are counterfeit gospels. There are counterfeit currents out there today that I wanna draw our attention to a few of them, probably the most prevalent ones. And so if you can just kind of see today like this, today is me standing on the shore, waving my arms and saying, hey guys, we need to come back over here because some of us have drifted away in the counterfeit current. So here, let me, let me do this. Let me give you three ways that we drift from the gospel, here's the first one, is what's called the therapeutic drift. So this is the number one current at work, especially in America today. So the therapeutic drift is at the heart of what we would call moralistic therapeutic deism. Okay, just go with me, I'll explain it. So moralistic means do good, therapeutic means feel good, deism is is a religion. So in other words, the religion of America is a do good, feel good religion. So let me give you what I would say the five tenets of moralistic therapeutic deism. Here's the first one. A God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Okay, that sounds good. God wants people to be good and nice and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Uh, Okay, all right, yeah. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. God does not need to be particularly involved in your life except when you need God to resolve a problem. And good people go to heaven when they die. This is what I call the MapQuest version of the Bible. If y'all remember MapQuest from back in the day, it was like early GPS, basically. And what MapQuest would do is it would get you right up to your location and then get you completely lost. You'd be like, I thought we were right here, right? This is the religion of America. It gets you right up to the door and then gets you completely lost, right? Moralistic therapeutic deism. That is why 90% of Americans say they believe in God. That is why two thirds of Americans say that they're Christians, because that is their religion. That a God exists, He wants me to do good. He wants me to be nice. He wants me to feel good about myself. He's there like a genie in a bottle whenever I need him, and all good people go to heaven. (laughs) Sorry, that's disgusting. (laughs) And it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel, but it's everywhere. Listen, everywhere is that. There is a God of some sort, some sort of power, right, he wants us to be nice to each other. Listen, karma fits all into this, right? You know, come on, and, and, and he wants me to feel good about myself, right? He would never argue with my feelings, and all good people go to heaven, he's always there for me. Listen, let me just say it like this, the average teenager, this is hot off the press, the average teenager spends eight hours of screen time a day, times seven, 56 hours a week, right? Our, our, our younger generation is spending at least 56 hours a week watching, absorbing, clicking, scrolling, liking, commenting on moralistic therapeutic deism. And we bring our kids to church, what, once a month for an hour and a half? And we think that's gonna what, 56 times four, 200, you know, 224 hours a month versus an hour and a half? because now it's the church's job to do this. Listen, the next generation doesn't stand a chance if they're not anchored to something because there's a cultural drift, and the number one thing is it's a therapeutic false counterfeit gospel. And what it is, it's full of what's called syncretism, which is basically the marrying of different religions, parts of different religions together, and this is this is the I mean this is Christianity with a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Buddhism, a lot of New Age, right? Is is what's going on? This is where the whole like we need to manifest stuff, like it's the power of attraction, it's the secret, it's it's um, horoscopes, it's sending good vibes. You ever ask for prayer and somebody's like I'm sending good vibes? I'm like, keep your vibes. I don't want the vibes. Keep the vibes to yourself. I need the intervention of Yahweh in my situation right now. You're sending universal energetic force my direction is doing nothing. Keep the vibes, man. And here's what the therapeutic gospel doesn't acknowledge is that our God is not a generic, nameless vapor of a force. All roads do not lead to heaven. Come on, that our God has a name, and it is the name that is above every name, and it is the only name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, and his name is Jesus the Christ. And he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. And peace and happiness, I'm sorry, are not the goal of the Christian life. They're not. People think this, so they get disillusioned when suffering happens, why? Because I'm blessed. So things shouldn't happen to those who are blessed and highly favored, amen. <laughs> and we so easily forget that this world is not our home. Yeah. What are you saying to the Christians in Ukraine right now? Hey bro, just pray more, just pray more. Wow. What do, you, what do you do to the martyrs who came before us? What do you tell Jesus on the cross? Hey man, blessed and highly favored. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. Oh, you're crucified. Listen. The gospel's job is not to give us peace in life. The gospel's job is to give us peace with God. And Jesus' call is not to be fat, happy, and wealthy. In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. In fact, yesterday literally yesterday was the anniversary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's um, death. He was hung by the Nazis for resisting them in the name of Jesus. Wow. What are you gonna tell Bonhoeffer? Hey man, you just, just pray more, just pray more. You're not praying enough. Listen, the goal of, of the Christian life is not to be fat, happy, and wealthy. The goal of the Christian life is to come to Christ and die. Amen. Jesus doesn't say, follow your heart. He doesn't say, follow your dreams. He doesn't say, be true to yourself. Here's what he says, Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And the problem with the therapeutic gospel is that it rejects the door to salvation, repentance. It says, guys, you don't need to repent. You will never hear culture talking about repentance. In fact, if you wanna be really real for a second, this is why there's such a thing as cancel culture. Because everybody acknowledges the wickedness in themselves. Here's what we do. We lay a hand on a scapegoat and we send them out. Because we know we all sin. And so maybe if, if we get rid of that guy, it'll take the attention off of my sin. That's the issue with culture. We know we have to do something with sin. So we put it on one person and we send them outside the camp. But there's already one who took that. And the call into that is the Repentance. Here's the the issue. Guys, we want to add a God to our lives who only takes the parts of our lives that we hate. And he doesn't touch the parts of our lives that we love. We want the crown of Jesus without the cross of Jesus. But we have a Jesus who demands our whole life for his whole life. Not just the bad parts, all of you for all of him. But the issue with the therapeutic gospel is you don't have to change it all. Listen. God loves you, God affirms you just like you are. God loves you, you're, you're perfect just the way you are, you go girl, you, you just do your thing. Just, God loves you, you're perfect just the way you are, you don't need to change, I affirm your inner beauty. God made you that way, and listen, the therapeutic God would never call you to change because he made you just like that. He would never say anything that would ever hurt your feelings. So the big problem with the therapeutic gospel is this, is that lack of self-esteem becomes sin. Let me even say it like this. We live in a world that believes the biggest problem is not affirming how great you are. <laughs> Come on, the biggest sin you could ever commit against somebody is not affirming their truth. Right? That's the, oh, how dare you? Right? God would never say anything to me like that. And here's the here's the issue, let's, let's go beneath the surface. If feeling convicted is sin, then that means that the Holy Spirit is now the enemy. Because moralistic therapeutic deism, really, at the end of the day, since you control the genie in the bottle, you're God. And if you're God, then the real God becomes your enemy. Y'all going with me? This is the religion of the land. Is that at the end of the day, you're really God. You can control the universe, you can control, it's all about you, whatever you believe is right. That's the therapeutic false counterfeit gospel. But here's what I'm here today to remind you of. Jesus did not come to affirm your life. He did not come to remodel your life. Jesus came to open up the door, rip it off its hinges, throw it away, pull the drywall up, burn that sucker to the ground, take a jackhammer, break up the foundation, and in its place to build something big and beautiful and full of life and more amazing than you could ever dream. And so guilt can be our friend because it reminds us that we've drifted away from center. And what's our solution as we're drifting? To turn, to repent, to come back and say, God, today I'm getting off the throne so that the real king can get on this throne. I turn from the therapeutic gospel and I put the king back on the throne of the gospel of my life. That's the first way we drift. Y'all still with me? Come on, y'all still with me? Hamilton Mill, North, all right, there we go. Here's the second way we drift. The second drift is the quietest or activist drift. Okay, so these are basically two um, opposite ends of the same spectrum, okay? The, The quietest or the activist drift. Here's how I'd say it. There are three components of the gospel. Let's put them up here. The true gospel is public news. In other words, it's for everything and everyone. It's pervasive news, meaning it doesn't just stay in church. It actually impacts everything. You understand the gospel gets into politics, it changes politics. The gospel gets into the media, it changes the media, right? It changes art, it changes law, it changes everything. The gospel permeates, it's pervasive of everything and it's personal news. In other words, it radically transforms my death. I'm born again. It changes me from the inside out, my heart to my thinking to my life, right? So the true gospel is public, it's pervasive, it's personal. So the quietest drift, What it does, it rejects the public and pervasive aspects of the gospel, and it only embraces the personal aspect of the gospel. Does that make sense? So in other words, I reject the breadth of the gospel, I only embrace the depth of the gospel, right? The gospel is, this is the me and Jesus gospel, okay? And So let's just go there for a second. The me and Jesus gospel is why the white church largely ignored the civil rights movements in the 50s. Why? Because the gospel is not public. The gospel is not pervasive. It's only personal. It's only me and Jesus. This is how the, the white church was able to look at lynchings and say, nah, man, that's politics. Just preach the gospel. Wow. Why? Because the gospel is not public. It's not pervasive. It's only me and Jesus. So what, the, what we're really saying is, I know some of you are like, uh, I, can we clap at that? I don't know, because he's white. He's <laughs> white. People, I don't know. I'm totally confused. I don't know what to, it's, hey, dude, you just got to say what it is. I mean, it is what it is. If we don't acknowledge there's an issue, we can't repent from the issue. Okay? So when we say just preach, just preach Jesus, don't preach politics. What we're really saying is, hey, just preach Jesus crucified and how I can have a relationship with him now that I'm forgiven. Don't talk about the fact that God's throne is actually founded on righteousness and justice and that racial issues really are the gospel. Come on, the, the, the plight of the poor, the plight of the immigrant, the plight of the widows and the orphans and the sex trafficking victims really do have gospel implications. You know, there, there's actually a story of, of a church in Nazi Germany in the 40s that was right by, it was in Germany, it was right by the train tracks where the Nazis would take Jews off to the concentration camps. And the story goes that they, the, the church knew um, what was happening so as the trains got closer, the choir director would stand up and they would sing louder so they would drown out the cries of the Jews on their way to be murdered. And this is the problem of the quietest drift. No, I'm not getting involved in the world. No, I don't do politics. I don't, I don't talk to other people about Jesus. The gospel's about me and Jesus, man. And essentially, here's what we're doing. We're sticking our fingers in our ears and we're saying, la, 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 la. Me and Jesus are good. While everybody else goes to hell and we need to repent. And on the other end of the spectrum is what we would call the activist drift or the activist gospel. And so if the true gospel is public, pervasive, and personal, right? So the quietist rejects the public and pervasive, embraces the personal. The activist rejects the personal and only embraces the public and pervasive. So that, that embraces the breadth of the gospel, but not the depth of the gospel. This is the we-have-a-cause gospel. Y'all know these churches? Right? There's, other, there's some churches that are just like, me and Jesus, we don't get into everything else. The other ones are like, we're all about a cause, but we're not about Christ. Yeah. See, this is where we talk a whole lot about changing things out there, but we don't let Jesus change things in here. Right? The issues always out there. Here we become the answer to our own prayers. We're feeding the poor, right? We're we're doing rehab programs. We're pushing back against government injustice, right? Wicked government agendas. Right, we're we're all known for our cause, but we're not known for our Christ. This is the political gospel. This is why let's just go there for a second. I'm sorry, you you already left the church, you're not even here to hear this. But um (laughs) Like, like over the last two years, let's just say it. Something, something happens like every four years. It causes issues. I don't, can't put my finger on it. The election. And so especially like this last go round, I can't tell you how many people left Victory because they wanted to go to a church that was gonna preach a Republican or a Democrat gospel. You know, I, I, can't, I, I heard it. I, why, why aren't we talking about how the mask and the vaccines are a liberal agenda? And in all that, I heard a whole lot of talk about the government and heard hardly any talk about Jesus. Guys, we do believe that the gospel makes a difference in the world around us. This is, listen, we believe in impacting nations. We believe in transforming community. That's what we're called to do. But if we're not careful, we'll try to change the world around us, but never address the hearts within us or the hearts of the people that we're ministering to. So we'll put food in a belly, but we'll leave them with an empty soul. And so let me, just, let me ask a really sensitive question. Welcome to victory, we, we do stuff like this. <laughs> are the issues in the world around us, are they institutional issues, or are they individual issues? Come on, are they systemic issues, or are they personal issues? Here's the answer, yes. Yes. Yes, they are. Vote. There is such a thing as systemic injustice. Quote me on this. There is institutional racism. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. But who made the system? Sinful people. So us putting all of our effort on trying to change the system without addressing the hearts of the people who create and enforce the system is fruitless. So we need to repent. We need to repent for our activist drift, for trying to feed a hungry, hungry body, but leaving a hungry soul, for, for blaming sin out there, but never looking at sin in here and we need to repent of our quietest drift. It's all about me and Jesus, right? And and it doesn't matter if the whole world is drowning in the current, I'm standing on the solid rock, brother in the Lord, amen, hallelujah. (laughs) And we need to acknowledge that the true gospel, it's public, it's pervasive, and it's personal, in Jesus' name. Here's the the third drift. Here's the the last one we're gonna talk about. There's a 100 more. Here's the third one. Pray for your boy, okay stay with me online, the churchless drift. This is the drift that we see that's absolutely rampant in the world around us right now. Uh, we all know the quotes, we've all heard them. Hey man, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know? Oh, I listen to a lot of different preachers online, but I don't ascribe to any one church or maybe even any one faith. What's, what's the most famous one? I don't go to church, I am the church. (laughs) Bless your heart. Hey, let's let's just deal with that one right now, okay? So here's where we get the word church from. It's from the Greek word ekklesia, which means the gathering. So it's actually literally the gathering of the ones who are called out. So called to be separate and gathered together. Where we once weren't a people, now we're a people, okay? So I hate to break this to you, you can't be the church. It's a literal contradiction. You can't be the gathering. We are the gathering. We are the people of God. Together, we are the church. We are the people of God. Oh, well, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right, you don't. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Um, salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. But I would also say this. You also don't have to go home to be married. but you might need to go home if you want to stay married. (laughs) You know, during during COVID, um, sociologists kind of made this statement. They said, the first year of COVID, we fast forwarded 10 years, we jumped 10 years. So in other words, everything that was already going on was escalated 10 years in a rapid amount of time. So, essentially, if somebody was already drifting from Jesus, bye, you just fast forwarded 10 years, you just made it official, right? If people were already drifting from the church, they just made it official, now they're they're at home, some of you are online right now. So, let me just say this, I know this, I know this, every single week, there are a thousand different reasons why people are streaming online, I know this, okay? Some Some of you are in Switzerland, right? That's a really long commute. (laughs) If you try to do that every Sunday, all right? I get it, okay. Thank you for being with us. If you're all around the world, thank you for that. Um, Some of you are sick. Thank you for not being here, okay? We pray for you, we bless you, but I'm glad you're with us. Others of you are watching this later because you're working. (sighs) Guys, you make time for what's important. That's a life principle. Um. And honestly, others of you aren't here because you didn't feel like putting on pants this morning. So, And everywhere in between, okay? Um, But family, here's what we have to acknowledge. There is a cultural current at work. And when we disconnect from the people of God, there is a drift that occurs, okay? Here's one of the drifts. When you disconnect from a people, you now no longer have anybody to hold you accountable when your theology gets wonky. Right? This is, how, this is how somebody who used to be sitting next to you, worshiping with you, starts watching from home, and now they're the, I'm spiritual but not religious. Oh, it just means you've put a little Hinduism in, a little new age in. You've drifted from the gospel. You've left Jesus. When we drift from a people, who's there to pick us up when we fall down? Who's there to pray for us when we're sick? Who's there to visit us in the hospital? Who's there to provide for us financially whenever we lose our job? Who's there to rejoice for us whenever we get the promotion? Where are we putting our God-given gifts to use, right? like. I, here, I would just challenge you, okay? If you're, if you're a part of our family online, I would challenge you. I personally, maybe this exists, I've personally never met one person in my life who is disconnected from the people of God and is sitting behind a screen watching just by themselves. I've never met somebody who's did that and then is thriving with God. If that's you, email me, because I'd love to do a case study. Because here's what Proverbs 18:1 says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. In other words, everybody's like, dude, don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it. And you're like, I can do it. You're raging against all wise counsel around you. You can find examples in the Bible of people who were isolated, but you will never find a good example of somebody who chose isolation over the long run. Because in the Bible, listen, in the Bible times, you couldn't watch the recording later. And that's what gets us in trouble. This is every pastor's struggle right now. Should we do online? Should we post the thing? Because we, we know it's ultimately not helpful for your soul. It's, it's a good patch. It's a good one-week filler, but it's not a good discipline over life. And so, you know, in, in Scripture, you, you had to, like, wake up and, like, get the kids ready and, like, walk to church, right? And you had to sit next to the dude who offended you last week and the girl who gossiped about you Right? And you had to work it out. And then you received the word of God together, and you worshiped together, and you prayed together, and you fasted together, and you ate together, and your kids grew up together, and you guys grew old together. But now we've taken all that, and we've replaced it with a YouTube link. And we think that we get the same thing from the two. And God I'm just here today to tell you this. The church is not just a giver of knowledge. The church is a people. Church is a people. In fact, let me just say this. If, 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 let me just say it right here, okay? If victory is, is number eight of the 10 sermons you listen to every week, right? Because you like the spiritual buffet and like you don't belong to any church. Like I just kind of take them all in, you know, just, you know, do the thing, okay? First off, let's acknowledge this. You can't process 10 sermons in one week. Okay, you turn into a faith potato, right? You know what I mean? Like, you gotta exercise this thing, man. You gotta have a people who you do life with, okay? So if victory is number eight of of the 10 sermons you listen to every week, I'm gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna give you 50 minutes back every week. Just stop. Stop. Just cut us out, okay? And connect with a church. Connect with Christians who you can lock arms with, who you can actually live out the messages that you hear with, because you weren't meant to do this thing alone, Okay? If you're online and you're scattered around the world, okay, even even in cities far from here, Um, um, but Victory is your church home, let me ask you a question. Have you joined the church? Have you become a member of Victory? Like, if not, bro, like, stop dating the church. Put a ring on it, dude. Put a ring on it, man. Are you in an online small group? Have, have, Have you actually taken the step to form a small group in your own city? Have you opened up the doors of your house for other people to come in and maybe even start forming the church there? right, as we watch this together. If Victory is your church home and you're local here, around Atlanta, right, and you're not here, what are you waiting for, right? Listen, guys, we go to the movies, we go to Costco, (laughs) go to Costco, like, (laughs) go to Walmart, (laughs) go to the grocery store, go to the gym, fly on planes, Uh, but uh, you know, I'm just, oh, we're about to get back to church. We're about, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, we're, we're about to do it, right? It is, it's right at about over two years now. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. So let's just be honest with yourself. You've drifted. You've drifted. You have drifted from the gospel. If you don't acknowledge that there's a problem, you can't fix the problem. So what's your next step? Your next step is you repent. And you make it a priority to be with God's people in God's house. Next week, you wake up early Get the kids ready, get dressed, and come in and worship with your family. That's what we do. Because I understand, listen, I understand that the church is not perfect. The church is actually full of imperfect people, just like you, (laughs) just like me. But the solution is not to press the eject button and get out. The solution is to say, hey, this is the beautiful family of God. So let's make her better together because the church is better with you in it. Church is better with you as part of the family. So, all that being said, in the midst of the currents, all the currents that are swirling, how can we be found standing in the very end? Jesus says this, red letters, Matthew seven, verse 24. Jesus says, everyone then, who hears these words of mine and does them. Listen, James even talks about this. Don't just be a hearer, you gotta be a doer. So everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it." I want you to notice this. The wind, and the waves, and the rain come for us all. And what they do is they reveal what we've already built and what we've built it on. And if our life is built on things that change, the shifting sand of public opinion, of social media culture, of what the government's saying, of what Disney's saying, of what my emotions are, then my life will fall apart. But if I take my life and I build it on the unflinching, uncompromising, grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever, capital T, truth of God and Jesus Christ, the gospel, then when the wind and the ways of life blow, I will still be found standing. When I anchor my life to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when I anchor my life to the people of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when I anchor my life to being a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the wind and the waves will blow, but we will be those who are standing at the very end and are saved in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge this, that there's there's a swirl happening in the world right now. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of messages that are going out of what is good, what is right, what is pure, what is noble, what is praiseworthy, what is true, what is loving. And 99% of it is a counterfeit gospel. And God, we say this right here today. is Victory Church. God, we're gonna be a people that our lives are founded on the rock of Jesus. And so maybe some of us today, God, we found ourselves maybe in the therapeutic drift. We found ourselves kind of believing this thing. Well, just there's just kind of like a God up there and he wants me to do good and he wants me to feel good. He's there for me when I'm hurting, right? All good people go to heaven. It's just this very loose, generic gospel. God, today we repent and we turn from that and we turn back to you. God, maybe some of us have been on that quietest or activist spectrum. Maybe some of us, we just we stuck our fingers in our ears and we just said, man, the world is so screwed up. The world is lost, it's just me and Jesus. God, we repent. Others of us, we're trying to do all this good. And in our hearts, we know that we're doing it in the name of Jesus, but we're afraid to actually bring Jesus into what we do. God, for that, we repent. And some of us, have disconnected from the family of God. And I'm not even just talking about those who are online. There are people today in North Cobb, and in Midtown, Hamilton Mill, in Norcross, other settings who are in the room, but you are so disconnected from the family. And for that today, God, we repent and we turn And there's a hundred other drifts. Maybe some of us, we have a passionless drift or we we used to have a heart for God and now we don't and we think it's okay. Others of us, we have a moralistic drift or we, we feel like God loves us when we do good and hates us when we do bad. Others of us have a universalist drift where we're like, well, Jesus is my way, but there are a thousand ways. No, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except by him. And so what we do today, God, is we repent. And so family, let's do this, let's, let's, let's pray together, okay? Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, today I repent of my drift. Mm-mm. By God's grace, help me turn and change the way I think and the way I've been living, away from the path of death and to the path of life. Today, once again, I place Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the throne of my life. You are my Lord, you are my Savior. Help me to live for you from this day forward and keep me anchored to your truth in Jesus' name. Mm. Here's what we're gonna do together. We're gonna do one last thing is across all of our campuses. I want us to affirm a truth together. And so I'm gonna put up the Apostles' Creed, okay? This is ancient. It's in a little bit of modernized language for just a few of the parts. And so let's, let's pray this together, okay? This is, our, this is our proclamation, our affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Pause, we're about to say Catholic. Some of you are like, are we Catholics? Notice it's lowercase c. What Catholic actually means is universal. So what we're really saying is, we're part of the church past, present, and future here locally and across the nations. So I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.